Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby, and as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, April 20th, and John, before we dive in and talk about all the new changes, I want to wish you a happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. Did you get up early to celebrate, or you be celebrating this afternoon? I am far too old of a man to be actually celebrating any type of holiday so of this of this nature. Um, although, ironically, I'm sitting here, and I'm looking outside, and it's, it's not the holiday you'd think of. I'm looking outside at a snowstorm in Chicago in April, and I'm feeling like it's Christmas. So, which it is, kind of, for certain, for a certain, you know, genre. It is Christmas for some folks. Um, we know it's Wiz so Khalifa's if you're Christmas. Enjoying, that's right. That's right. That's a fact. Um, Corey Lucius is too. So <laughs> let's dive in. <laughs> let's dive in. Um, yeah. A lot of news since we Some left. stuff has happened, John, in the last two weeks. Um, so I feel like it's only right that we just basically recap it for the people. Um, some new people in, some new people out. Uh, I, I guess my first um, statement is just kind of, whoa. Mm-hmm. Now you, now you. Go. That's feels. That's that feels fair. Uh, so let's. There's so much turnover that has taken place on the the hoops team, and, and we'll talk about what we think it means. But let's just go through what happened. So the Pfeiffer Fife dog Dane Fife, you know, takes off the. Indiana, and in his place is Doug Wojcik, who was already on the staff, but has been promoted to the second assistant spot. And all that tells me is one thing. Tom Izzo never wants to have to hire an assistant again until he retires. He will not have to because Doug Wojcik essentially can't go anywhere after being promoted to this position I'm not sure if there are a ton of other organizations that'll take a chance on him again because he has a, a checkered past that's going to follow him wherever he goes. And, you know, Dwayne Stevens has more or less uh, been christened and given the heir to the throne here with Fife's departure. Now, Dwayne Stevens apparently did interview for the Eastern Michigan job uh, that went to Stan Heath, but. I think you'd like to think that that his exploration of head coaching positions um, has ceased and Tom Izzo has solidified his coaching staff for the foreseeable future, at least until he hangs her up. But what do you think? 
Yeah, I think a couple of things. First and foremost, this is a, it's a great hire by Indiana. I think we kind of touched on it last time, um, how they are really serious about the, you know, brotherhood and making sure Indiana understand Indiana. And Dane Fife, you know, is a, is a great example of that. Obviously, a star there was on their last national championship team. Um has recruited the state at Michigan state for his entire tenure there. Um, I, I think it, so for Indiana, I think it's, it's smart. Uh, you're taking the, and for the, it's really good for them for the exact reason, you know, it, it doesn't benefit Michigan state. You're taking the best recruiter of the state of Indiana, a state where Michigan state has pulled in guys like Gary Harris, Jaron Jackson, uh, Brandon Dawson, just to name three off the top. Aaron Henry, another great, more relevant, more recent example. Um, You know, and that's one thing Indiana's had trouble with is keeping that fence up around the state, not letting their best kids go play for other programs. Because, you know, those are for it to Michigan State. There are dozens of other elite recruits that come from that that have gone to to other big programs. So um, in that regard, I think really smart move. I think MSU is always going to have a presence in the Midwest. I'm not you know, I don't think this is some kind of death blow for Michigan State at the end of the day. Like, yeah, did Dane Fife do a great job recruiting that state? Yeah, he, he, he really did. But it's also it's not like he's selling some poverty program. Like he's out there saying, hey, come to Michigan State. Hey, come to the, the program that wins this conference kind of a lot, goes to Final Fours and can beat the, you know, your hometown team that you may not have grown up loving if you're not a native Hoosier fan. So, I mean, again, he got, he had a, he had a very good set of circumstances handed to him to his credit. He did a great job with them. Uh, but I don't think this is some sort of backbreaking deal for MSU. Wojcik, I mean, he's been the recruiting coordinator for Michigan state, I think for the last handful of years. And again, I I think in a lot of ways, this program recruits itself. So, um, to me, this is, you know, listen, it's not ideal, but, um, it's uh, it's a great thing for Fife. Cheers, hats off, um, and you know we'll we'll kind of see where we go from here. But yeah, overall interesting move, smart for Indiana MSU. I don't think this is a death blow. Right, exactly. Um, so that's the news on on the coaching staff and a little update on the three uh, recruits that have signed their letter of intent. Max Christie. Uh, his his high school career comes to a close. He goes out on top. Team uh, went 15 and 0. There's no playoffs in Illinois this year. He finishes as the all-time leading scorer in conference history. Finishes as a McDonald's All-American. Kid's an absolute stud. Um, really pumped to have him come in, and I would probably expect him to start um, day one as a freshman, which doesn't happen too often. Um, you, you know, you think there have been a lot of great freshmen that have come through Michigan State, but it's even, you know, with the exception of to like 2016, 2017, when there were a, was a load of freshmen that came in and, and were expected to play big minutes right away. MSU has done a pretty good job of, you know, um, developing or having guys um, learn and grow into the starting role um i think max is going to be expected to start right away uh, and i think he probably can he's he's just a he's a shooter of all sense of the words he can get a shout out over everyone he's going to be i can already tell one of my favorite players uh excited to see him um 
just take it to the next level here at Michigan State and see how he does in the Big Ten with his slight frame. Yeah, I think people are almost like sleeping uh, on him. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. It's I think it's getting lost in the wash how big of a deal it is that he's coming to, to MSU. Not only from, I mean, first of all, his talent is obvious. He's like a top 10 to 15 recruit on any given recruiting service. Comes from a great state of basketball. And like you said, one Mr. Basketball averaging like 30 points a game. I mean, this is, it's, it's impressive stuff. Um, on top of all of that, uh, he brings a skill set to MSU that this team desperately, desperately needs. I mean, not only is he in a, an absolutely knockdown lights out three point shooter. I mean, I think he's going to have in terms of shooting like a, you know, potentially somewhere like a Bryn Forbes-ish level impact. I mean, this Gary Harris level impact right away, because that's just the type of shooter that he is. It's, it's gorgeous. If you like beautiful shooting strokes, you're going to love Max Christie. And on top of that, I mean, he is very comfortable with the ball in his hands. When you watch him, he's not um, uncomfortable creating offense. So adding another initiator, a guy who can do more than just spot up and shoot. And again, like that's, I think the difference between him and a Bryn Forbes. Forbes obviously was, He's still playing in the NBA. He's like a top few in three-point percentage. I don't know that Christie's that level of shooter, maybe, like leading the NBA in three-point percentage, but he's yeah. uh, he's pretty damn good and can just – he already has a level to his game that Forbes never really developed in college. Um, and on top of that, he's a really good defender. So I, I think the instant impact from him is going to be significant. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts day one. I know Izzo doesn't love to do that with freshmen, but – he brings a level to this team that, I mean, defensively too. He's going to be a, he's going to be a really, really good two-way player, and, and a guy that, to be honest with you, might only be in East Lansing for a year. Yeah, I mean, he he is something you can't teach, and he's that's being a six-six shooting guard. So, like I mentioned, he he can get a shot up over over pretty much anyone he wants um, on the perimeter. And like you said, this is a team that desperately needed outside shooting. Um, and, and hopefully he's able to to do that right away. So um, huge ad. A couple other ads um, coming in updates here. Uh, Pierre Brooks, the second, uh, finishes out his prep career. Detroit Douglas winning the state championship in what's Division Four or the smallest of the divisions. Um, despite that, he won Mr. Basketball in Michigan. Um, as an interesting aside, he... In the semifinal game, he had 30 points and uh, eight boards, but he played against a team that the night before uh, learned that they were only going to have five kids uh, because of coronavirus. And I got to tell you, things were already stacked against Mount Pleasant Sacred Heart Academy going into that game. (laughs) But can you imagine being like, oh, cool. We get to play every minute of this game. Also, no one can follow out. Also, <laughs> we need to figure out a way to shut down Mr. Basketball. And not just like the Class D player of the year, but a kid that's going to Michigan State. And that doesn't happen too often that a Class D kid goes to a Big Ten school. Like I can count on my hands – Man, the last one in Michigan was, I think, Austin Davis. And before that, I would have said maybe Dwan Anderson, if you remember him from Sutton's Bay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was Class B or Class C. And through unfortunate circumstances, he, you know, 
didn't um, end up attending MSU, but did play Division One basketball. And before that, I think Darrell Summers, and that worked out. So that's four players. That's four players though over like 14 years that can make the jump from Class D to Division One. And I hate to laugh at these kids, but I just you watch that tape and these poor kids. There are five of them. Like it's already bad. <laughs> They're just dragging ass up and down the court. <laughs> Well, well, and well, and, and Pierre Brooks didn't do him any favors either. That's what <laughs> he, didn't do, he didn't take it easy on him. He was pulling. This was well. First of all, you forgot an element. Not only are they playing against a guy going to Michigan State, they're playing against him at Michigan State. He's <laughs> yep. literally at the Breslin, and he's hitting shots from two feet on a logo. Like, yeah, I love that. I love that because he's coming to play for my team. If he was going to Michigan or some other school, I'd be like, this kid's an ass. But I'm just like, oh, please, Mr. Brooks, do more. Um, Monsieur, I think it's I think, again, when you when you look forward about this guy in particular, this is the one that's slept on. And, and to your point, it's a great point about Class D. Like these guys are kind of few and far between, especially at high impact, you know, uh, Big Ten level competition, but um, I've seen nothing from Brooks that makes me think he can't at some point next year be a contributor. He's probably the one with the longest learning curve. Like to your point, adjusting the competition is going to be a big deal for him. Um, so he might be the one that gets brought along the slowest. But and this might sound blasphemous in a way, but I, I see a lot of Denzel Valentine. I see a better athlete for. I see a better athlete version of a very similar type of player. Um, he can, I mean, if you remember when Denzel came in, it was just, it was a turnover happy, low percentage shooting, just raw, like ball of playmaking. It's just kind of all he was like, he sh- he needed more time to bake before he got the minutes that he did. But then when you saw him evolve, you involved into the national player of the year candidate, big 10 player of the year, I mean, it's still in the NBA playing a lot of minutes for Chicago. Um, evolved into a really nice player. I think he's got it. It's that same type of thing here, except Brooks is Brooks can dunk, which I still don't think Denzel can do. Um, and <laughs> he's just a, but he can already shoot. He's that secondary again, in, in the same way that Christie brings that to MSU. I think he's Brooks is going to bring that where he's not afraid to initiate from the wing. He's had the ball in his hands forever for this Detroit team. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really nice addition to this class. Again, I think he's probably the one that comes along the slowest just because that jump in talent level is no joke. But, you know, when you get to those, you know, hopefully, you know, assuming knock on wood, all of the non-con games are getting played this year. When you play the Detroit Mercies of the world, you play, um, you know, the, the Green Bay Whitewater or whatever it is, you know, that's where I think you see Pierre Brooks get in there and get some valuable minutes and maybe kind of, show you something that says, Hey, this guy can contribute down the stretch this year. Cause he, he brings that element that again, MSU missed a year ago. You know, another thing you can't teach. You said Denzel, well, he has the similar size. He's six, six, 200. And you can see how that might've been a mismatch problem in class D. Um, it, it translates nicely. You said Denzel Valentine, and I'm just laughing because like him, it's a lot like, and you said he needed more time to bake. He's a, they're a, they're, these are players that are a lot like cookie dough. You can eat cookie dough raw. 
and it can be good. You can also get very sick eating cookie <laughs> dough raw. And <laughs> things can go bad on really bad. They can also be very good. Um, but the preferred method is to let them bake. And, and it comes out as a perfect cookie. And that's to your point. I think that's where Pierre, of all the freshmen, probably will be the one that um, is going to not see the floor unless he has to. And he may have to because there's a there's a situation on the wing here where he may be called upon uh, to have minutes in the similar way that A.J. Hogard was asked this year to play probably before he was fully ready to take on all those minutes. But that's that's far in the future. A lot still to play out. Um, let's move on to Jaden Akins, who started the year at Yips, Ipsy Prep, uh, which was Imani Bates's uh, team, and transferred midseason to Sunrise uh, Academy. And that was the doing um, of Tum Tum Nairn, who helped coordinate that, his alma mater, which, by the way, uh, he just took the head coaching job. And that's significant because mm-hmm. MSU has got it out of there now. Three kids, I believe, out of there in the past seven years between Marv Time, Clark, um, Tum Tum, and now uh, Jaden Akins is an alum. Yeah, and Molly Call, too, right? Sorry, yeah, Molly Call, of course. How could yeah. I forget? That's, that is a pipeline, and, and it's not uh, for nothing because that has turned into um, a very good basketball prep academy to one of the elite they just lost in the high school national championship like they are competing at the highest level with the oak hills monteverde academy imgs like they have really made the jump and so having a essentially not just a pipeline but what was formerly michigan state's best recruiter (laughs) tum tum nairn as their head coach is going to be a very good thing for the future. So Jaden Akins, though, um, joined them mid-season. He was um, finding his role and then towards the end really found his spot and was a huge contributor to that team, as I mentioned, that um, finished runner-up in the the high school prep scene. So a lot to look forward to from these three freshmen. Um, and, And probably you can expect a bit more from this group than last year's group and, and maybe in the year before, to be honest. So any thoughts yeah. on Jaden? Yeah. I mean, Jaden brings, again, I think what I love about this class as, as a whole is that they fill the void that this last year's team had so perfectly. I mean, all three of them are multi-dimensional, multi-skilled uh, types of players. I already talked about it with, with Max and Pierre, but what Jaden does is, he brings a level of athleticism that this team has not had in, you know, obviously with Miles Bridges, that's, that's a darn good athlete. Uh, but from the point guard position specifically, which is probably where Aiden's, he's probably more of a combo guard, but I think he's going to end up running a uh, point it's, you know, for, for this team as kind of that second point guard behind Tyson Walker, uh, depending on what shakes out with AJ Hogard. But I think he's going to bottom line is going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit. And he is an athlete at that position that MSU hasn't had in, gosh, a really, really long time. I don't even remember. Uh, But this is, he can jump over people. I mean, he's going to throw down some major, major dunks throughout the course of this year. He is 
incredibly fast with the ball in his hands leading the break, which I think MSU needs desperately out of a lead guard uh, that you saw the difference this year when you didn't have that um, huge difference uh, from when Cassius Winston is obviously running the point and pushed that ball so effectively. I think Akins can bring a lot in that regard. He has all the measurables to be a good on-ball defender. Um, and he's a lefty and he's a really smooth looking shooter too. So, I mean, he brings, again, it's another guy that's comfortable with the ball in his hands. I mean, when you talk about it, if you, you know, in the future, if you have, again, this is probably not a lineup you'll see this year, but theoretically, if you had Tyson Walker, Aikens, Brooks, Christie, and then a, a five on the floor, you're talking four different guys, all of whom can shoot, all of whom can drive, all of whom can pass and all of whom can check. And that's how you build a team that can win a conference and make a deep run into a tournament. And that's what this class is going to bring to this, to this program. And I don't know that it's, you know, it might not be this next year. It might be the year after, but you, I mean, I think there's a chance that down the stretch in a normal year, these you're talking about three really, really, really good players. And, and at least like you said, that cookie dough analogy is perfect. Like these are guys that I think, could be really good without any baking, but you give them the right amount of time. And I think this roster is built in a way where they're all allowed at least a little bit. Um, you could have a really, really good team on your hands at the end uh, of next season. Now, um, they did lose some players as well, obviously. So it's not just everybody coming in, but uh, I think since last time, really not even the players coming in were the big change. It's the players that were going out. And I think the place to start is um, – Obviously, up you know with the most important player from last year's team, Aaron Henry. I don't think it's any surprise he decided to um, declare for the NBA draft. I don't think he's signed an agent yet, but I mean, all expectations are that he will. Um, I think, John. I'm interested to hear from you. What do you think Aaron Henry's legacy is at Michigan State? I think. What we need to remember is that this was the kid that was the afterthought of his his recruiting class. And he was always the afterthought, even in high school, um, where he was was in the shadow behind a few other Indianapolis prep kids who who are bigger recruits. And he came to Michigan State, found a starting role as a freshman, which is was absurd you know no one of all the kids that they, people thought would grow into that role he would have probably been last on the list as uh his, of his recruiting class to do so and he was asked to do a lot of things his whole career he was asked to as i mentioned start on a on a big 10 championship team that's a, as a freshman that's a big ask he was asked to be a third banana um on a final four team that's a huge jump. That's a big ask. And then he was asked to be the alpha and number one player and put the entire team on his back dough. And he did, <laughs> uh, even though he maybe wasn't always an alpha leader guy, but he rose to the occasion um, always through uh, <laughs> by necessity. And he always answered the call. It, it took a little while sometimes, but he always answered. And I'm interested to see how he p- fills in on a team that knows how to use him in the sense that they won't be asking him to do 
too much too fast in the way that MSU was forced to have to do that. Uh, he had one of the f- best finishes um, on one of the worst teams. That will be the headline. But, you know, he he willed this team to a NCAA tournament. And that can't be forgotten. Um, he's a he really is a Spartan dog, you know. If using that term, he's he's an OKJG. He's our kind of guy, and I, I'm hoping that he can make a splash with an NBA team that sees him and says, "Hey, we know exactly what role we need from you. Just focus on that, and, and you'll be a key contributor." Um, I'll miss him a lot, and uh, you know, he always rose to the occasion. That's the legacy that I'll remember. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a gr- very succinct and great way to put it. Um, you know, he's not he's not the Mount Rushmore type of guy, but I mean, what a he's just a classic Spartan. I think he was like you said, he was thrown into three really difficult situations in his three years at MSU and rose to the occasion every time. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, a, a great player. I hope. You know, he just if I was him, I would probably just be shooting threes for the next six months until I actually play in my first NBA game, because if he can develop even a 35 percent corner three, he is going to be in the NBA for a very, very long time Um, because we we know what he can do. He can be I mean, listen, if Xavier Tillman can be out here averaging double or, you know, scoring double doubles and, you know, the. all of that and shooting threes now and all that stuff, Aaron Henry can figure it out too. So I, I, I would expect him to sign an agent probably relatively soon. And I definitely think he'll get drafted. I don't know if he's a first round pick, but what I would love, love, love to see is somebody at the end of that first round, one of these good teams. I always go back to the Spurs, uh, but like the Spurs or the Jazz or like one of these teams that's ready to compete or at least has a good infrastructure, fit him in his piece of the puzzle. And I mean, you can, you use him the right way. I think you've invested in a really good young up and coming player. Yeah. You want to go to a franchise that knows how to evaluate talent and use them correctly. Not go to a team like the Knicks who drafts a guy and is like, do stuff. And it's like, (laughs) well, you know, like what do you want him to do? You know? So I hope he finds a a franchise that is thoughtful in there. rather than impulsive um but dream big josh langford is that's the one by the way that's where i want to see him go i want to see him go to the heat i think he'd be a perfect member of the heat go ahead sorry we'll do an nba draft preview this summer when things get really light and figure out where we think aaron henry will fit best okay josh langford is going pro in something other than sports we don't yes we don't know what but and neither, and neither does and neither does he. <laughs> well, yes. So Josh Langford came out and said uh, that he is retiring from basketball. Uh, he's going to move ahead with a different profession. Um, I, you know, it's sad. Obviously, I'm sure that's not the way that he anticipated his career going. But I think he deserves a ton of credit because he, along with Henry, pulled this team into the NCAA tournament. He was a part of some great. Michigan State teams, he's probably the reason why some Michigan State teams didn't even go further than they did because of his absence. But, I mean, just a wonderful person from all all accounts, um, just seems to have an incredibly level head on his shoulders. And if there's one guy that I don't doubt will succeed in something other than basketball, it's Josh Langford. Um, personally, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him stick around the program. 
uh, he was a great influence, obviously a great leader. His ability to to kind of lift those up around him was obvious. He's very closely tied in with some of the you know real all time greats, the Miles Bridges, Jaron, Xavier, Cassius. I mean these these recent guys who are now tearing it up in the NBA. Um, he was he's very closely tied in with them. So I would love to see him stay close to the program, but I, I have no question that no matter what he does, he's going to be he's going to be very successful at it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing how his career plays out. He seems like a guy when his farewell post was well written than most CEO uh, emails to the company. So it was um, he'll be just fine wherever he goes. And then three other changes. We all knew Rocket Watts had uh, entered the transfer portal. He has yet to find a, a landing spot quite yet, but he's being pursued by um some likely candidates, if you really put your your hat on and said, where would a program, what type of program would want a guy that can play like Rocket Watts? Uh, I believe uh, we talked about Louisville and Florida State originally were on him. He's, I think, turned both of them down or at least has moved on. Kentucky's interested in him. Um, you think about Kentucky and you're like, really? Well, keep in mind, Coach Kale has to fill like nine or ten roster spots every year. So... Um, <laughs> It's kind of a volume play, and, well, he's a volume shooter, so that might work. Um, and then, you know, kind of TBD on where he will ultimately end up, though. He he has a – he's probably one of the top transfers um, in the portal, and as everyone is waiting to kind of see where others shake out, will kind of depend on where he goes, in, in my opinion. So <clears throat> we kind of knew that one. Um, but the other two were fairly recent news. Uh, Thomas Kithier has entered the transfer portal and uh, is going to go play for Valparaiso, which was, uh, I think, maybe a shock in that he probably could have played a, a higher level basketball than Valpo. Um, but then again, Valparaiso, um, people forget, it's in the Missouri Valley Conference. So um, he'll be playing some top competition. Um, but I think I was, people are a little shocked because he had offers, um, that term might be used loosely, but offers to play at the big 10 level, I guess, Indiana and Dane Fife extended the offer. In my opinion, an offer means you can come play here, not necessarily an offer of a scholarship. Um, Nebraska offered him, that might've been a legit offer, but he picked Valpo. So um, I'll have to set my set my uh, <clears throat> game alerts for for Valpo, just like I used to with Javon Best at St. Louis and Marvin Clark at St. John's. So, but that was a little surprise to me. What did you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he probably ultimately could have played somewhere else on reputation alone, just being a guy who contributed for Michigan State for several years. But uh, you know. I think one of the things we always talked about with, with TK is we never saw a development of skill. I mean, he's been your garbage man since day one and you've never seen him take positives. You know what I mean? Like you never, you never saw him develop any kind of jump shot, no real post move defensively. It was always kind of lacking. So um, I'm not shocked that none, no major, pre- like for example, with rocket Watts, you at least have seen these flashes 
of great play against great competition. It's not nearly as consistent enough as you'd want. And I just don't know that it was the fit at MSU that it might be somewhere else. It's a little more free reign, especially on offense. Kentucky actually seems like a great fit for him. And I'd be thrilled for him if he landed there, but um, TK, it doesn't shock me that he didn't end up getting another major offer again, Indiana, doesn't surprise me that he that Fife reached out. Um, I got a feeling TK wants to play, which probably also factored into his decision of going to somewhere like Valparaiso. I would have to imagine he'll start. Um, and I think it's also interesting from Indiana's point of view. They just secured a commitment from Miller Cop, the Northwestern former Northwestern player who would enter the transfer portal. It's really interesting. I think Dane Fife is probably playing a big role in who they're reaching out to, trying to get some familiar faces oh, yeah. in their um, games that he knows fairly well. Um, and yeah, I, I think TK just wants to play. So again, like you said, it's an Ohio Valley Conference school. I mean, that's the same as Loyola. Um, that's a great Missouri place. Valley. Missouri Valley, sorry. Um, my apologies. So either way, it's a great place for him to land. MSU's, you know, I, this is <laughs> Thomas Kithier is the player to be named later in the Brandon Wood trade of however many years ago that was. <laughs> so I'm, I'm willing to make make that deal because Wood was uh, Wood was a really good contributor for a couple of years at MSU. So um, I hope TK is able to to have a nice end to his uh, collegiate career and, and do and good things at Belmo. But again, not the only guy, no. not the only Clarkston killer that's leaving the program. And I know this one's tough for you. That's a, this one's tough. Uh, Foster Lawyer will be moving on as a graduate transfer. He did graduate Michigan State um, this semester, so that allows him to, I, you know, he becomes a graduate transfer. I don't think that really matters this year because you can transfer freely if you wanted. But for what it's worth, he'll be moving on. Uh, we don't know where to quite yet um i do know that the staff uh michigan state staff did help thomas kithier as it related to making phone calls on his behalf um to help uh get him a landing spot you know that the same will be true with foster lawyer where he ends up though again i i have no idea um (laughs) does he join i don't know what velpo's needs are but um, I'm sure he could contribute there too. Um, that would be something. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that one's brand new. I'm not sure where anyone knows if he's leaning quite yet. Uh, but that's a lot of, a lot of change from last year, but a lot of change that I think it might, it's going to make the team look a lot different. It may also have, um, inadvertently solved a lot of the team's problems sometimes you have too many rotation players and not enough of them were able to step up and and claim a a tight a a bigger role so you could have a tighter bench you know having going being 12 deep isn't necessarily good all the time you know um especially with the playing style michigan state has so um you know there are two scholarship uh available one is going to be at the at the door for Amani Bates when and if he ch- chooses to reclassify but there's another spot open for this team and I don't know if they'll fill it or excuse me not just fill it but where they would fill it but Austin what do you think yeah it's a great point 
and we were kind of catching up about this beforehand. It's it's one of those like the what do you call it? like Sophie's Choice where you or catch twenty two because if MSU goes out and really when you look at the roster, um, you know first we'll start there to to speak to your point. I think the construction of the roster next year is just going to make a lot more sense. It's going to be much more versatile. Going to be much. I think it'll even take a step forward defensively. You've got more guys that can shoot. You're going to be able to really, truly commit to that four-out, one-in type of offense that I think MSU has kind of skewed towards um, in recent years. You know, with guys like Tyson Walker, I think Hogard, Christy Akins, uh, Pierre Brooks. You know, you've got guys that can initiate offense. Gabe Brown and Hauser, obviously good corner shooters. Malik Hall can kind of clean everything up. And then you've got your three centers in Bingham, Marble, and Sissoko, all of whom should be able to definitely hold down that five spot. So it's a roster, like I said, that construction-wise makes a lot more sense. I think Tyson Walker is a big, big part of that. Um, but then you, you get down to that last spot and those last two spots and – Really, when you when you read all of that out, you know you feel pretty good about the four and the five. You feel pretty good about the one and the two. It's really that three, kind of that wing spot. And in Michigan State's offense, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily just a small forward or a three. It can kind of range. It's, it's kind of like two guards, two wings, and a big. Um, so I think that that wing spot is really where they should concentrate if they're going to bring another body. And I think the issue is that if you're going to bring in another transfer, they're coming to Michigan State because they want to play. Uh, they're not coming to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. And if you're recruiting someone that wants to play, you're taking minutes away probably, you know, from somewhere. And if Amani Bates decides, hey, I want to come to Michigan State, which is at this point very, very on the table, um, there's going to be some issues there because they're going to be playing relatively the same position. Now, I, th- I think there's a couple tea leaves that you can read. If MSU goes out and gets another body, and it's a big, if it's a John Harar from Penn State, if it's, I'm not even sure who else is available. If it's Race Thompson from IU, I believe, is in the portal. Like, if it's a big, then I think your chances of, of Amani coming are, I think it sends a signal that MSU is feeling okay about that. Now, if they go out and get a, a wing, like a like a shooter, one of, the, one of these guys that is, um, you know, going to fill similar shoes to what Imani would fill role wise. You know, I think that's a sign that they're not feeling as good about it. So it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do because there's really no date for it. Cause it, ultimately it all comes back to Imani Bates and there's no date on when he has to reclassify and kind of declare by, at least to my knowledge, which, you know, again, take that for what it's worth. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they move forward with this because there's no shortage of talent in the portal. I mean, the portal is overflowing with good players from really good schools. And it's not, and it's not just one year guys. These are guys that could come in and play two or three years. So you're you're talking about the ability to gain a semi-foundational piece for your program. Uh, And and it'll just be interesting to see. And on top of that, the one year where, you know, they're going to have the ability to transfer without losing any type of eligibility. That could happen again in the future, but it could not. I mean, see Hauser Joey. I mean, this it's a very unique opportunity. So I think it'll be very telling to see if MSU uh, gets a transfer or if they just say, you know what, we're sitting tight, we're waiting for a money. And I think one thing to mention too is that if they don't get somebody, you made a great point about the rotation like maybe having too many good players. We have seen Tom is those best teams 
seriously, look at all of his final four teams. They're teams where he played eight guys, nine if it, nine in a pinch, where he, he had a tight roster. Because I think one of the things that Izzo struggles with is when he's got too much talent, he plays too many guys and they don't get comfortable in their roles. It happens every yep. time. Every time he's got too many guys. So it wouldn't be the worst thing if, you know, nobody else comes and it's just, hey, here's Imani Bates. Now play these nine guys or eight guys and, and call it a day. Yeah, that's part of that. You know, it drives MSU fans crazy because he treats it quite a bit like a meritocracy and then sometimes plays favorites with that meritocracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you give certain guys you know, fourth, fifth chances and then, but he does give everyone a shot. You know, you'll see freshmen play um, all the way up until usually Jan, you know, even January. And then he tries to figure out the rotation a bit tighter. And, you know, it always seems to work out. You remove the opportunity to play and tinker, and um, you might see just a, a more succinct team. But that said, you know, it's okay. You don't have to have 13 scholarship guys. It's, you know, it might be a shame because there's, as you mentioned, there's so much talent in the portal that we would maybe pass on. There, there is a very real possibility that, you know, um, they don't go get anyone. And then Amani Bates, something happens with the NBA CBA that allows him to, to go earlier or he chooses uh, to do something different. And then MSU, this is their roster. You know, they missed out on the transfer portal opportunity this year. And that's okay. You know, there will be a little light at the wing spot. You're going to be asking Pierre Brooks to do probably more than you had anticipated this season. And it's going to be raw. But it's not as if they have nobody at the three. Gabe Brown's coming back. He should be playing 20 to 24 minutes tonight or more. He played way more than that this past year. They'll be fine. But, you know, Amani Bates takes them just a league contender, but but a national contender. And and, and that's what we're all waiting on at this point. And um, the ball is very much in his court. So we will sit and uh, respect his time and decision. You take all the time you need, Amani. Take all the time you need. You've already done MSU a huge service by committing one time. It's OK. Um, one thing I think you would see, you mentioned Pierre Brooks. Uh, I think the like the obvious candidate to move down to the three is in addition to Brooks is I think you see a lot more Max Christie down there just because of his size and his shooting ability. His role probably fits in there as well as anything. So you'd probably get um, probably more Hogard than you'd want at the at the one and then a lot yeah. of Jaden Akins as well. Well, here's the so, wild card. Interesting. Austin. Here's a wild card for you. Now I don't I'm <laughs> I don't know how this is going to play out. This is this is a kid that played a level of competition similar to what Pierre Brooks did in the playoffs. For what it's worth, Pierre Brooks, you know, did did play against Detroit PSL uh, league for most of the season. That league has been diluted quite a bit over the past ten years. Regardless, it's not as if they played Class D teams the entire way. I can tell you that it appears Keon Coleman's teams were playing down quite a bit as he put up more quadruple doubles than I think I've ever seen, which is incredible. <laughs> and Keon will be coming off of a football season. Um, we'll see if he's still interested in playing a second sport after um, going through a Big Ten football season. Uh, but he, he is uh, certainly a kid that uh, will be a little bit 
of a cavalry type of person who could join me, you know, in January of the season and be fresh legs. And maybe he's someone that can come in and play uh wing. I, I don't know if he's ready or if he's even capable of playing at a big 10 level, Austin. I do know that he's one of the best athletes on the Michigan state football team when he walked on the field. So Tom Izzo, you, he doesn't love raw talent. <laughs> he likes a little, uh, bit more refined, um, you know, but, you know, in a pinch, you got someone who at the very least can keep up athletically as from a basketball sense. I don't know, but that's just the wild card on the table is Keon Coleman. I mean, if nothing else, we're going to get some incredible layup line dunks from Keon Coleman. And if you haven't watched him somehow, go look at his highlights because it is truly remarkable to see just how far off the ground he can get. Uh, it's 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 pretty awesome. So he's definitely a guy to uh, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think from an athleticism standpoint, you're 100 percent right. He's he's good to go today. So if nothing else, um, we're going to get some fun pregame. So. All right, John. So I think I think we've covered our basketball for the day. Do you want to take a break here and come back with some football? Well, Keon is the perfect segue. So absolutely. Let's do this. <laughs> he is. Yes. All right. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. All right, John, you nailed it before the break. He's the perfect segue. Do elaborate. So, Keon, uh, Mel Tucker has done an incredible thing where he has offered up uh, Tom Izzo's roster spots uh, to help land um, some elite talent. You know, if Tom, Tom is a part of this, that's great. If it's news to Tom, I think that's also hilarious. But Keon is not the only player that has joined uh, the Michigan State Athletic Department and taking a scholarship on the football team because of the MSU basketball team. We have um, gotten a commitment from one Malik Carr, uh, formerly a Purdue Boilermaker, who uh, has decided he'd like to play football and basketball at Michigan State. Now, I can't confirm if that's been approved by Tom. You'd like to think that it, it was, but I think it is just humorous in a sense that our boy Mel is pulling out all the stops, baby. You know, yeah. he and couldn't Carr, be more. Couldn't this be. Guy couldn't approve of it more. It's amazing. Malik Carr is from Detroit, um, Detroit area. I think he went to Oak Park, right, Austin? Yeah, I believe so. Accurate. So he, but he, I mean, he was a, a big time football recruit. What I can't tell you is how great of a basketball player he was based on his, um, uh, his, his offer list, because you, you wonder if, if schools were cooling on him in the sense that, that they were like, uh, he, you know, he's going to play football, you know, so we're not even going to like waste our time. Um, cause he has a ton of mid major offers in basketball 
I think Purdue was the only school that offered him the opportunity to play both. And I'm not sure if that even happened. So um, because that didn't happen, I think he opened up his recruitment uh, and joined, I think, the day that the he entered the transfer portal. Uh, so that's big time football for you. And uh, you, you all of a sudden have potentially a number one tight end, like potentially a starter, right, Austin? I mean, this is a top 300 kid. Yeah, from I his mean, recruiting. Uh, according to rivals, I mean, this is this is, you know, we talked about it with Itavian Brown, how getting this is like landing a major recruit from the previous year. I mean, Itavian Brown was top, I think, hundred kid from that class. Malik Carr is top two hundred. I mean, he's he was um, depending on what service you looked at, he was either a wide receiver or a tight end. He checks in at like six five to twenty something. Um, I, I don't really know what MSU, a, where MSU. He fits the uh, the prototype of what he's look of what Mel Tucker is looking for. Let's put it, he's a off the bus guy at the least. He, Absolutely huge. Absolutely, and I think what he can do. But I think not only was he ranked, you know, he was a top two hundred kid, uh, top forty wide receiver. I think he was like the number four ranked tight end by a service. So I mean, you're you're talking about rare air you're talking about getting like a very real plus athlete in car again i don't know where he slots in you know cam allen um some of these other guys at tight end trenton gillison obviously is still in there but there's, there's no there's no reason he can't come in and either play wide out or tight end i mean i think it would be exciting to envision a two tight end set with malik Carr on one side and cameron allen on the other and then guys like des Fitzpatrick and you know, Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed out there on the outside. I mean, you're you're talking about now a, a really really talented group of of skill position players. And I think I, again, I don't want to jump the gun here and go too far down the optimistic path with football because uh, you know it's still April. And there's still a long ways to go, and we still haven't seen these guys. You know, it's a lot of new faces, so there's going to be growing pains. But I think the influx of talent here is un- – it, well, it's certainly unlike anything I've ever seen with a team. I and mean, we're talking about maybe like 40 new faces on a team and not just scrubs. And I have a feeling what's going to happen is MSU is going to come in next year. People are really going to not expect a lot because, I mean, quite frankly, if you watched them on the field last year, you shouldn't expect a lot. It's not a very inspiring team. Um, but just the, the sheer level of talent that they are bringing in at big time positions is very impressive. I wouldn't expect this type of influx every single year, obviously, because the turnover won't be as great, hopefully, because there won't be as much to get rid of. <laughs> but um, Carr is just the latest addition. And honestly, you could make an argument he's the most impressive addition outside of maybe, like I said, Itavian Brown or, or a Kenneth Walker. I mean, there's a lot of really good choices here for who's the best new addition to this team. So uh, it's, it's exciting stuff, man. He's the real deal. And I, I personally, I can't wait to, to see him line up and play somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, we keep hinting at it, but it's not over. You know, there's any, there are even bigger fish out there that Mel Tucker's looking to land, but it's, which is which is saying something because the offer list from Malik Carr, for what it's worth, Texas A&M, Auburn, uh, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, like people wanted him. This is a very this was a priority recruit. This was a guy that 
I think Michigan and Michigan State really missed on letting him get out of state. Purdue getting him was, I think, surprising, but it was all because of the basketball opportunity. So that's where, you know, will he have the opportunity to play on Izzo's team? You know, I, I, I haven't heard too much about it yet, but that was part of the part of the part of the package. So uh, where he fits, I don't know. Maybe he's that wing, Austin, you know, in case Imani doesn't uh, show up seriously. So, um, you know, that's a huge, huge get at the at a position where MSU has a lot of bodies, but I'm not sure if it's the tight end was the area where we know it's MSU staff's focus. We know it's Austin Smith's focus, but they hadn't (laughs) had the they hadn't had that guy, the NFL guy, like a guy that they all felt great about. I think this is that guy, right? I mean, I think between him and Cam Allen, you're talking about two dudes that fit that mold where I almost think of them as probably not traditional inline tight ends. And I think this is where the opportunity for, you know, creativeness is, is open for this offense because I think of them more along the lines of honestly, and they're probably not this level of athlete, but you're talking about in terms of usage, like a Kyle Pitts or an Evan Ingram. Like those are the two names that come to to my mind where if you have to pick a position for them, you're probably going to call them a tight end. But in reality, they're just jumbo wide receivers that can do whatever you need them to do. And I think of these two in the red zone together. Plus I said Des Fitzpatrick earlier, Christian Fitzpatrick. And all of a sudden you're talking about three massive guys lining up in the red zone. And you can just, if you want to throw jump balls, you can throw jump balls. I mean, you, you, you are now you've added this off season in just those three people you have to account for in those situations. I think last year, if you looked at who's lining up in the red zone, uh, I'm not sure who you're like, okay, we got to do something about this because physically this is, this is something we can't necessarily cope with. Like, I mean, yeah, listen, Jalen Naylor is great. Jaden Reed's great. Ricky White, we saw uh, do some impressive things. But like you're talking about Tyler Hunt. You were talking about like like Jordan Simmons, Connor Hayward. Like these are all good functional players. None of them are a mismatch. You've brought in in just Alan Carr and Fitzpatrick without even taking into consideration Kenneth Walker and Harold Joyner. You've, you've already brought in three huge mis, like mismatch guys that you have to deal with. And I think that alone from a scheme and a game plan perspective just opens up so many doors for, for what MSU can do. And listen, if they want to run the ball, you're going to need tight ends who can block, but you're also going to need that other level of keeping teams on their toes and being able to run play action and hit these big athletes down the middle of the field. And, and that's something that MSU hasn't had in their book for qu- quite some time. And this uh, it's a really exciting element that they could add. So what I guess long way of saying there's a lot more potential on this team than I think people really realize, especially offensively. Now, are they going to come out and win 11 games? No, but there's no reason they can't take a huge step forward this fall. And I think the exciting thing beyond most of that is that really with the exception of Anthony Russo and I suppose Drew Jordan, we're not talking about seniors that they're bringing in for a one year. Hey, let's pump our stock up and leave. Um, These are guys that are going to be around for at least two to three seasons. So you're talking about foundational pieces of, of a roster. And I think all of that should make people very, very excited about um, to get this year two of the, the Mel Tucker era, which almost in a way feels like year one 
I almost don't even look at last year as a real year, aside from beating Michigan and Northwestern. Those th- I think those are the only two games I look at as a defining moments. <laughs> I would say those games counted and the other games didn't. Is that fair? 2-0. and What a season. Yeah, that's what I remember. Okay, so the transfer portal rules, I think we've decided that. That's fair <laughs> assessment. Yes. Um, also, you. so I've learned you can also still recruit – traditionally out of high school which sure Hmm. why not let's keep doing it um was not aware there are a handful handful of recruits coming to attend the uh, msu spring game which austin is this saturday i mean that snuck up on us uh 2 p.m on big 10 yeah and six thousand fans are allowed to attend um but in the attendance will be uh a lot of guys that the caliber of recruit that I'm not sure, let's put it this way, that I would be accustomed to the basketball team getting, not the football team. I'll let you walk us through uh, who will be in attendance, and I can pepper in some of their uh, offer lists to give you guys an idea of the type of player that is going to be coming in and watching the spring game. Yeah, so the seven that we know, at least as of this, this recording, um, are pretty exciting. Two of them, I think what's really cool is that two of them are already commits, uh, which is obviously a big thing to have when you're bringing in other players. You you want those recruit. No one's going to be a better recruiter. No coach is as good a recruiter as a player is. So having guys like uh, 22, 2022 recruits, Ashton Lepo, the, the tackle, and then wide receiver Tyrell Henry, those two guys are both, I believe, from the state of Michigan. Um, Lepo, a massive tackle, checks in at like 6'7", 290-something already. Um, Tyrell Henry, kind of a speedster, wide receiver. Uh, those guys are both going to be on campus, which is which is great because they're going to um, have some big targets. And I think you know it's cool to have a tackle and a receiver both there when uh, a quarterback like A.J. Duffy is going to be on campus. So Duffy is... Um, kind of like universally a blue chip quarterback recruit. He's, I think he's like the number 81 overall recruit on rivals top 10 uh, has a very impressive offer list. He's been long considered in Arizona state lean. And again, same, same advice applies here, AJ. If you end up there, just don't go in a hot tub. Aside from that, do what you want to do. Um, oh, but <laughs> that's just my standard advice. Uh, so Duffy is, is, is a big whale. Uh, I think he, he's the type of kid who could play anywhere. He's from IMG Academy down in Florida, obviously extremely prestigious school that sends kids to every single university in the country year over year. Um, he has essentially come out and said that if he can't make a decision a week after, visiting Michigan State, he's going to take the rest of his official visits. So it sounds to me, reading some tea leaves here, like if he comes and loves what he sees, he might pull the trigger and end up committing to Michigan State. And I think this would, uh, there have been some other great commits. Don't get me wrong. Mel Tucker's done a great job so far. This would be the, the biggest one, though. I mean, a nationally recruited quarterback from a major high school program would be a big, big, big time whale for Mel Tucker to land, especially over programs like Florida State and and Arizona State, you know, to that he's, you know, a lot of prestige in those names and um, Duffy, you know, pulling him away from home. I think him getting him over Florida State would be a big, 
big deal, especially he's already visited there. It's obviously in his home state and um, could could be a big get. And there's also, I believe his center is also being recruited by MSU. So that yep. could be a big yep. one as well. Yeah, um, those are his finalists. But just for the record, uh, he was offered by uh, USC, um, Washington State. You know how they like to throw the ball around. Um, <clears throat> Miami, LSU. So this is a kid that is is probably not just, um, you know, a top quarterback, but I think he's the top remaining quarterback in the mm-hmm. 2022 class, you know, regarded as the best um, still on the board. So A.J. Duffy um, certainly uh, would be a huge get for whomever is able to land him. Um, Antonio Gates Jr., he's been on Michigan State's board for feels like years. Um, but you know, he's, he'll be adjoining as well. And he doesn't have his father's height, but it appears he has his athletic ability. Yeah. Gates is kind of another big body ish receiver. I think he's only a six, one or six, two, but, uh, again, he's not a tight end. So he's, like you said, he doesn't have his father's, uh, mass, if you will, but, um, kid that MSU has been recruiting for a long time in a lot of ways, a legacy, you know, Gates did go to MSU briefly before going to Kent state. So, would be uh, a great kid from the state of Michigan to to keep in house. So obviously that's a that's a big get there. The more talent you can throw on the outside, the better, especially with anything with size and a little bit of speed. Um, and additionally, I think he he's a big deal because you know MSU wants to rope off the state of Michigan. You know, that that's what that's what they want to do. Didn't land, you know, let Andrell Anthony and Donovan Edwards get away last year. But MSU is in in a much better position with a lot of kids in in this year's class, and that's not shocking. Um, that last year wasn't the best recruiting year. Couldn't get kids on campus. You know, Michigan had uh, kind of a little bit more momentum. More momentum, completely understandable. But MSU was in on some big name kids from the state of Michigan, including Gates, but also uh, Dylan Tatum and Jaden Mangum. These are two kids that names you'll probably recognize Tatum is the teammate of uh, Donovan Edwards the big recruit that went to Michigan the big running back uh, he's kind of his backfield partner um, MSU is recruiting him I believe as a running back or a defensive back I think he's being slotted into one position or the other by some other schools uh, and I think this is one of the areas where if MSU is able to to land Tatum it will speak to Tucker's approach of we want a profile of athlete and we will find the best place for them once they get on campus. I think that open-minded approach of just let's, let's take it and we trust our coaches to, to make this work. Uh, this is maybe one of the first instances in his tenure where this could really pay off because, because Tatum has offers from all over the place, including Michigan where again, he's got Edwards. Um, he's mm-hmm. really close with uh, the corner the five-star corner who committed to Michigan, Will Johnson, I believe his name is from, from gross point. So plenty of good things pulling him in that direction, but MSU is giving him the opportunity to play wherever and, and he can come in and play right away. So, um, yeah, a potential, big potential there. His, D- Dylan Tatum is a stud, you know, top, uh, 300 universally, a Michigan lane now, because of probably because of that Donovan Edwards connection at the top of you know being a priority for Michigan, but offers from Baylor, Georgia, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Penn State, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Wisconsin. You know, like this, this is a dude. And the other thing I think to keep an eye on is, uh, you know, you mentioned trying to win back the state. Well, 
Dylan Tatum, um, Jaden Mangham, who you're about to talk about, and uh, Antonio Gates Jr., they're all being recruited very hard by uh, a name you might remember from our past podcast. We talked about trying to get him on Michigan State staff, which is uh, Kentucky's Clinksdale. And this is going to be a real testament, I think, just like something that we'll keep an eye on is if, you know, can Mel Tucker's staff um, fend off Steve Klinkscale, who's had enormous success in the Detroit metro area. And um, if MSU can start winning battles against him, then you get to graduate to battles, uh, you know, at even even bigger recruits. But these are the best kids in Detroit. Don't get me wrong. It's but um, and this is going to be a, a huge competition against a guy like Steve Klinkscale um, for all three that we just talked about. Um, but Jaden Mangham he has a little history, or at least his family does, with Mel Tucker, right? Yeah, his brother Jaron, for for those of you obviously that are hardcore recruiting people, you'll recognize that name. He was a former uh, four-star recruit from the state of Michigan, ended up going to Colorado, and I believe he committed to Mel Tucker in his year at Colorado. Uh, so obviously a little bit of family familiarity there. Uh, Jaron has actually entered the transfer portal. Listen, if you want to play another position, Jaron, we'd love to have you, uh, come on down. We'd love to bring, you know, we love uh, brothers at MSU. So we'd love to, to have you come play for us. But, um, right now it's Jaden's time. So Jaden is a four-star recruit, um, composite top 300 kid, top 20 athlete, top 10 recruit in the state of Michigan. His kind of final five or the, the, the names that have been seen up top are Georgia Tech, West Virginia, Michigan, Michigan State, and Notre Dame. I would anticipate it probably boils down to the two in-state ones. And I think Notre Dame, obviously, due to proximity, is, is always a threat there. But um, th- this is a kid who has offers from everywhere. I mean, I'm just going to kind of start at the top here. Uh, it, start it with a little school called – yeah, start with a, cool, a little school called Alabama, uh, Baylor, Colorado, obviously, Florida, Florida State, Um Kentucky, Miami, Minnesota, Nebraska, Oregon, Penn State, Pitt, Purdue, Tennessee, Virginia Tech. I mean, there's this is a national recruit. He's from the state of Michigan. Both schools in the state of Michigan want to keep him there. Um, and this would be a, a big time pull for, for MSU. And Mangum, again, he's 6'3", 185. At least that's what he's listed at. In terms of projectability, you could see him at wide receiver. You could see him at DB. You could even probably project him at running back, even though he is a little taller than your, your average guy there. Um, this is a priority. And this is one that Mel Tucker, especially with his relationship with the Mangum family, uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's a good relationship or not. Because I could see the other side of it where they his brother went and committed to him at Colorado and he left the next year. And that might not sit great with um, with the parents and, and all of that. But it, this is another kid. I mean, maybe of all of these ones, this is the one you want to keep because, uh, you know, he's incredibly well recruited nationally. Um, probably, like I said, probably projects as a DB more than anything else. But again, you get them on campus, you see where they fit and, and Mel Tucker, let them go from there. I think um, that's that's a really big one. So the, the final recruit that's going to be on campus is probably the only one that's a little bit out there, I guess. It's it's exciting because his name is Caleb Johnson. He's a, he's a 6'1", 215 pound running back from Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, he's yeah, honestly, when I when I looked him up, he reminds me honestly a little bit more of a Mark D'Antonio recruit, which is not a slight. It's just not. It, he fits the physical projection of uh, a Mel Tucker recruit, but in terms of the offer list here, 
you go through it, it's not as exciting as what we just read through. But to me, I mean, this kid is, is super high offers from, I mean, he has offers from Iowa, Iowa State, Cal, Cincinnati, Kentucky, you know, Pitt. I feel like Pitt just offers everybody that Michigan State offers. But, uh, and, you know, West Virginia, another big one. Obviously, like those, those programs are pretty big time. I mean, Cincinnati's hadn't done a lot of winning. We've seen what Kentucky can do in recruiting. And Iowa, obviously, for running back is always going to be attractive because they're going to have a great offensive line. Um, but MSU trying to, you know, obviously get this kid up for the spring game is, is super exciting. Um, six, one, two is a, is a big fellow. Again, that doesn't surprise when you talk about Mel Tucker, but this is, I think, aside from Duffy, the only out of state kid that's coming up, uh, you can never have too many running backs despite having Kenneth Walker yeah, and Harold yeah. Joyner already in that mix, you know, really there's no, you know, we don't really know anything about Donovan Eaglin. We don't know much about these, you know, Jordan Simmons is there, but by the time this Caleb Johnson were to get on campus or this next year's recruiting class, get on campus, those guys will be upperclassmen. So you need to start filling that pipeline. So this is um, obviously an area of focus for MSU. A, a very strong uh, att- prospect attendee list for a spring game. You got to feel good about that. Excited to watch the spring game uh, this Saturday. I don't know what to expect. I think this is the first preview of um, a lot of position. Well, well, first time we'll see a lot of these transfers um, Mm -hmm. get playing time. And then the thing everyone's going to be watching is probably, you know, the 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 quarterback competition per se, you know, Peyton Thorne um, versus Anthony Russo, you know, who, who plays better? Is that going to give them an edge? Who knows if it means anything? Um, but I'm sure we'll have all summer to dissect those uh, handful of plays and who we think will project, but I'm just excited to see a whole new level of talent on the field. Um, a little more explosion, a lot more explosion, hopefully, because as we keep saying, if this offense can just get to just average, just average, then the, you know, the whole trajectory of the season can change and it it starts in uh, the spring game this Saturday. So I'm pumped for it. Yeah. I think if there's one area that I'm looking at, it's how does this team run the ball? Um, because you look at the two deep on the offensive line and it's, you see a lot of names you've seen before and some, you know what I mean? There's, there's no shortage of playable talent. Um, But I think the offensive line combinations will be very interesting where guys line up on those lines will be interesting, specifically the tackles uh, Jarrett Horst to see which tackle he ends up playing where they move him around. Um, If they're doing, you know, and I think also the, the format will be interesting because previously, you know, you've had the spring game draft where you've had, Two teams, you know, right. not necessarily right. a, a first team versus first team. You've kind of had a, a mixed bag. Uh, I'll be interested to see how, how Tucker kind of formats that. Personally, I would love to see first team versus first team and second team versus second team. That's just what I would like to see because I want to see what kind of position group groupings he has, who runs out there with the first team and kind of gain some insights that way. Um, that'll be so offensive line to me is the most interesting. And then the the adjustment to the four two five. I mean, we've seen last year that MSU kind of defensively struggled against the run by only having two linebackers in there. He didn't have a ton of lateral speed at those positions. You know, now you've got Ben Van Samir and Octavian Brown. I'm not sure if those guys are going to be both on campus or playing in this game, but I think to, to see the continued adjustment to that four, two, five would be um, very interesting 
and, and then obviously, like you said, that quarterback battle, I mean, that's, that's front and center on everybody's mind. So whoever can win that job. Um, and then you're just occasional pops, right? Like who, who jumps out of nowhere to have that big game? Who does the AJ troop where you have a huge <laughs> spring game and then never contribute. So that'll, that'll always be fun too. Exactly. Yeah. We'll overanalyze this, um, to, oh, yeah. to know when this, I'm sure. Um, that's all I have. There's a lot of news for, for, uh, off season, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a big two weeks, but, um, excited for, for things to keep moving here, but yeah, we'll be back guys, probably, you know, every other week, uh, every three weeks, kind of depending on, on the news cycle and, um, yeah, we'll enjoy the spring game, everybody. For John, this has been Austin, and we'll catch you guys next time. See you.